Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. Welcome to episode 15 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Today I have a really great interview with Scott Perkins. Scott is a discipleship coach, and if you're wondering what a discipleship coach is, we get into that in the interview near the end, Um, so I'll leave that until the interview. But he's also the author of a book called Tree of Lies. It's a really interesting book. Um, the subtitle is called Transforming Decisions, Behaviors, and Relationships by Gaining Perspective on Your Identity in Christ. And this is really what we talk about a lot in our conversation. Um, it's just what identity in Christ really means, what it really means to find our identity in Christ. And also, we do a whole bunch of stuff about the dangers of basing our identity and our values in other things besides Christ or besides God. Um, so it's it's a really great interview. Um, if that sounds kind of heady kind of stuff, it's actually, we get into really, really practical things, like what kinds of things can you actually do in your life to make sure that your life is rooted in uh, who you are as someone connected to God or someone who is uh, finding your identity in Christ and not trying to value yourself on other things. So it's a really interesting interview getting into all kinds of uh, things that we do as human beings, placing other things before God in our life, um, but also just um, some of the mindset that we tend to have around deriving our own value from sort of external validators. So um, things like our jobs um, or uh, the the kinds of things that we do, but even things like our our uh, family or approval from other people, even some good things in our lives, when we place those things as the things that are are really the the definers of our identity, we can get ourselves into trouble. So we talk about why that happens, how that happens, and uh, and what we can do to make sure that our identity is based around our identity being in Christ. So it's a really, really great interview. So I really encourage you to stick with it and, and listen to all the stuff that Scott has to say. Um, also, go and check out the show notes for this one. Um, Scott provides a link at the end of the interview um, that you can go to, and he actually has a bonus on his website that you can download um, that is just for people who are listening to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. So you can go and get that. Um, but you can just go to go to our website, spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Scott, and you can find the show notes and you can find a link to, to his website as well. But he gives out the link at the end of the interview uh, too. So you can go check that out. Um, it is really great to be back on doing the podcast this week. I took a break last week from putting out a podcast um, because uh, I had a week of vacation, which was really fantastic, and was just spending lots of time with family. Um, but also, it was uh, the long weekend uh, for, uh, actually for Americans and Canadians, but the Canadian uh, was the big celebration of uh, Canada 150, 150 years uh, of being a nation in Canada. So, um, it's also July 1st is my mom's birthday. So always try to spend uh, July 1st Canada day with, uh, with my mom and with my extended family, uh, with my sisters and my dad. So, uh, we had a great time at their place up at Lester beach, which is just a beautiful place. Um, and I also just got back from there today. So in this summertime in July and August, uh, me and my wife and my daughter, we like to spend tons of time up at the lake, but also just connecting with lots of friends over the summer and other family as well in and around Winnipeg, which is just a beautiful, beautiful part of the world, especially in the summer. And we are having just a great summer so far, uh, relatively mosquito-free. We're, we have lots of mosquitoes usually in July. Um, but, uh, but right now it's actually doing pretty well up at the lake. There's a few more, but in the, in the city of Winnipeg, we're, we're doing pretty well right now. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's really good. And we're just having some wonderful weather 
um, after a long and cold winter that we have here, uh, we get just beautiful, beautiful temperatures. So I know lots of you in Canada kind of know that about Winnipeg, it, but uh, but maybe some of my American listeners and listeners on in other parts of the world as well um, might uh, might not realize how fantastic our summers are. So uh, just translating that, you know, we'll often get uh, into the 90s for uh, if you're on the Fahrenheit scale uh, for my U.S. listeners. Uh, and we'll just have these great, great summer days. So we're enjoying that right now. And so I just thought, you know, I can just, I can do without having the, the podcast go out for one week anyway. So I hope you didn't miss it too much. We do have a great episode back, uh, back for you to listen to today. And, uh, and I'm, I'm back working this week and, uh, just doing my thing at the church, um, which has been really great. I did want to just tell you really quick about a worship service that we did on Sunday. So I was back uh, in church on Sunday, didn't preach a sermon, which I normally do, but we did um, uh, some, uh, we were focusing on prayer. And so I decided we were going to do some different prayer stations in our congregation during the worship service. So I think we had eight different things that you could engage with um, in prayer. So one was going and praying the Psalms, um, and you could, uh, I had a list of the 150 Psalms and sort of a, a title for each one, sort of saying what it's about. And people could go and just grab a, a Psalter. We have a book of Psalms there for people. They could grab that and go and read what was meaningful for them. Um, we had a coloring station, so that was really popular with some of the kids, but also some of the adults did some coloring too. Uh, so you could color as your, your prayer time. Um, we had uh, a giving thanks and an offering station. So rather than taking up an offering, we had a place where you could take your offering to the to the plate. But we also had little slips of paper that just said, I give God, and then a blank. And you could write down uh, something that you were giving God in your life or that week that you wanted to offer to God um, that is might be different than, than money that you're giving. So people would fold that up and they, they put those in the offering plate. Um, we had another one that was about remembering your baptism, and it was there was a, a letter there that was written as though God has written a letter to you, talking about uh, His love for you in in you being baptized as a child of God. And we had the baptismal font there with water, so you could touch the water, or you could put some on your head, or something like that. Um, we had a station where it was prayers for the neighborhood, and we had five pictures of different neighborhood places around the church. And you could pick one and you pray for that. And then when you prayed for that, you picked up the picture. We had like eight by 10 pictures of these. You pick up the picture, you take a hole puncher and you punch a hole in a corner of the picture or part of the picture. And then you could see afterwards how many people have prayed for a particular spot in our neighborhood. So that was, that was kind of cool. So we had a hospital, we had the university, um, we had a Starbucks, um, we had our, uh, a church just down the street from us, sort of our, our nearest neighbors. So we had uh, Fort Gary Evangelical Mennonite church, um, as, as part of that. Uh, so they were, they were one of the places we prayed for. And the other end of the table, uh, end of the table from the neighborhood prayers, we had prayers for the world. So we had a globe there and something that we sometimes do this in, in our children's times at at church, we have a globe and spin the globe. And then you just stop it with your finger randomly and whatever your fingers closest to you, you, um, pray for that, that country or that place. Um, so that's kind of a fun way, but we also just said if you've got a place on your heart that you want to pray for, you can find it on the globe and you can kind of see where it is and then pray for that that place. Um, it's funny, though, when you spin the globe and you stop it with your finger randomly, uh, I think about half the time you end up in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. So you end up playing, praying for all kinds of great places. So yesterday I prayed for the Marshall Islands um, because that's sort of where I was closest to in the Pacific Ocean uh, when, I, when I stopped the globe to pray. Um, so we had that and... Um, we had a place where you could light a candle, uh, as a way of praying. And then we had one of my favorite things, um, which we've done before where you have a prayer for the fruit of the spirit. So you can, you know, you can think of, you know, some of them are are things like joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. Um, and you can think about, you know, which one do I think I need more of in my life right now? Um, and you, you pray for that, but the way you do it is we actually had nine different, cause there's nine fruits of the spirit. We had nine different jugs of juice and, uh, you, you pick the, and each one is labeled with joy on the, on the, uh, on a pitcher, you know, each of these pictures. So you'd have joy or peace or, uh, or, uh, self-control, 
Um, and then you would decide, oh, I really want more joy in my life. And you'd pour yourself a little bit of juice in your cup. And then you would drink the juice as your prayer. You know, God, fill me with peace. Or uh, God, I, I feel like I, I need more kindness. I need to be more kind. So help me to do that. And you drink a juice, a bit of kindness juice. Um, and so, yeah, we had, the, we had nine different juices, uh, which was kind of cool. So, um, and the joy, I have to say the joy juice, I think, which was pineapple, it, it went the fastest. That was the only one I had to refill. So I think there was a lot of people who were going and praying for more joy, which is something that I pray for regularly is for the Holy Spirit to, to give me joy. Um, and we actually mentioned that in this interview coming up with Scott. So I've actually given you kind of a longer intro than I thought I was going to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I had a good time in worship yesterday and just wanted to share that uh, with all of you. And uh, maybe that sparks some ideas for you as well about some different ways to pray. And we said these aren't the only ways to pray, but these are just different ways that you may not have experienced before, may not have tried, and might just spark spark something for you. And in some ways, that's what this podcast is all about, is just hearing about some other spiritual practices that you might not have heard about before, or reminders of what you have done before, um, and then just uh, taking an opportunity to uh, commit to something new or to recommit to something that you've done before. Um, and again, uh, Scott and I have this great conversation and part of it as well is just talking about, um, you know, the idea of, of trying something, of, uh, of starting small. If you feel like you, if you feel like it's a, a big thing or it might be insurmountable to try to figure out an entire rhythm of life or a regular habit of prayer and scripture reading, there are ways that you can just start small and grow from there. So I'm kind of getting into what the interview is about now, but uh, I, I really did enjoy this interview with Scott, and I'll just leave it to you to listen now uh, and enjoy it as well. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, hope you really enjoy this interview. Today I have Scott Perkins with me on the podcast. Welcome, Scott. Great to have you here. Matt, I'm so excited to be here, and uh, I've heard a couple of your other guests say this. Just congratulations on trying this new thing of doing a podcast. You're doing a great job. Oh, thanks so much. Um, I wonder if you could just tell the listeners a bit, little bit about yourself, and uh, you've written a book that you've got out there, and just sort of what led you to write that book and that story. Um, so I'm going to give you the super abbreviated ber- version and you can, you can, uh, ask me for more details, but yeah, no I problem. was, uh, I started off a mathematician and, um, became a Christian and then moving to Florida to, to be back close to my family, uh, got involved in a church and got involved there heavily and just really felt like, uh, that was part of my uh, future vocation. And I worked toward that. I uh, went to seminary uh, still while working at a college uh, teaching math. And then um, uh, an opportunity presented itself to work at a, uh, at a church. So I, I, I know myself as a great assistant, a good number two man. And I found a great position at a church that started small. And, and while I was there, uh, we, we grew from a church of like about 225 people to a church of 2,400 people in, wow. in the years that I was there. I'm not claiming any credit for that. Of course, <laughs> I'm just saying that, 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 that went on around me. And just so uh, you know, in my part of the world, in my denomination, sort of in Winnipeg in the Presbyterian church, 220 is actually a fairly larger church for our denomination. There's lots of bigger churches around, but, uh, but already it's like, wow, that's already big, but to go to like over 2000, that's huge. <laughs> so. Well, as an aside, I am not a, uh, a big church means you're doing things right. Kind of guy. Oh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. we can explore any of that. So, um, in the midst of this, I had some unexplored issues in my life. I was, uh, I was a people pleaser, and uh, I knew this. The pe- my friends knew this. My, the, the people I worked with knew this. But I'd never taken the time to investigate uh, in Christ why this was. And so what ended up happening is I, I burned out. Uh, I burned out of my job from trying to gain affirmation. I, uh, I left my wife, I left my job, and I, I tried to become a, a ministry cliche. And uh, after God got a hold of me, uh, separated from my wife for about three months, um, I began to understand this idea of Christ as our identity. 
um, mm-hmm. that we get our worth from him, not the things we do for, for him or the, the, the lives that were part of changing for him. And so my book that you referenced started out as a blog that I was just doing for, uh, for, for personal betterment. It was a private blog at first. And the, the few people I'd invited to read said, this is, this is pretty good stuff. You need to need to make it public. So I made it public. And, uh, just over the course of time, these thoughts developed into, uh, my book tree of lies, which is intended to help people understand their identity and how, uh, how their identity in Christ can transform their decisions and behavior in relationships. Right on. Um, how did you come up with the title for it? Like, what is the, so it's tree of lies, which is. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's a real title, but it's like, Oh, like what's that about? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, that's a really great question. And um, it, I had a bunch of titles, but, um, and I was, I was in a group and we were brainstorming and uh, you know, somebody had, had made, had talked about the tree of life and, and, and in the book that my, I, I build off Jesus metaphor of the tree and our identity is the root and our, our, our values are the, are the, tr- are, are the, uh, the trunk of the tree. And then our decisions and behaviors and relationships are the, are the fruit. And so, uh, so, you know, it's all about going toward the tree of life and a lot of the things I talk about are our core lies and the fundamental lie that I think we all believe uh, about ourselves at the beginning. And so it just kind of came as we were brainstorming tree of lies. You know, it kind of, it kind of leads you to the tree of life. It, like you said, it is kind of intriguing. Um, so that so it it's kind of like stuck. things that we sort of things that we tell ourselves or lies that we sort of believe about ourselves or about our world or or, or about God, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's so. a big part of the, the the first part. The book's divided into four parts, and okay. it starts off talking about the lies, and then um, and then the second part of the book is the the root of those lies, and then the the, the third part is the, the, called the truth, and then finally the fruit. Because all of us in Christ, we want to bear good fruit. That mm-hmm. that is really what our goal is. We want uh, we want the, the the fruit of the Spirit to be evident and come out of us naturally. But what we do, because that's that that that's difficult and it requires closeness and it requires intentionality, is we tend to focus on the fruit and and use that to feed our root rather than the mm-hmm. living waters of who Christ is. Right. So what happened for you, like kind of when? when you were, particularly when you were writing the blog, I guess, and when it kind of started as that, what, what kinds of things were happening for you? It sounds like you went through a really difficult time and then like the things started kind of get put back together. And yeah, I was, like. uh, I was, I was reconciling with my wife on the one hand, I was, uh, I was sitting with a spiritual director uh, slash counselor uh, which was something that was uh, was new to me. I had gone back to to teaching math, and uh, uh, that was kind of getting that job was a very miraculous happening. And something that I learned at that job was um, that God wasn't through with me. Hmm. In, in that um, ministry happens wherever you are. Ministry yeah. doesn't have to be part of a church. Uh, staff or church leadership. Right. And, and again, that was something that was kind of new for me be, be, because before uh, I had been, uh, I, mean, I don't doubt that I was called and I was doing, I was going in the right direction, but part of my mindset was to be really doing good things for God. I need to be part of a, a part of a church and I need to be leading people in a church context. And so all of these things were, were happening at once. And I was at a, I was at a church and I had gone to that church just to kind of hide out. Uh, but the, the, the pastor there, uh, was one of the first grace filled people that I had encountered. And it was, uh, it was so, it was just such a, a refreshing, a refreshing experience from what I was used to having to constantly prove yourself through your, mm. through your actions and your excellence to, to have somebody look at you and say, that doesn't define you. And I'm going to walk with you. And, uh, and there was never, never an intention for me to be back on a church staff. I never, actually, I never even thought that was possible. I, I was very confused by this whole thought that God wasn't through with me. And, uh, 
And so I never thought that was possible. I didn't know what God was going to do with me at all. But another thing he taught me in this is that in our weakness and in our vulnerability, there is a huge amount of power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just even sharing your story, I'm sure is kind of, is really helping people now as they're kind of hearing that. And, um, and I think it's really important as well. Like sometimes leadership in the church, we're used to like, we'll teach people in, in the, in the congregation, like we'll teach people that their ministry is really valuable and important. And and their ministry is more than just volunteering in the church. Like we, we teach that, that it's really about how they're serving others in the world. Um, and yet it can sometimes be really hard for leaders in congregations to live their own lives that way, right? Mm-hmm. Where it just becomes all about how, how well we're performing in, uh, in leading the church. And sometimes right. that's related to growth or sometimes that's related to, well, growth might be like numerically or spiritually or, you know, oh, how many people showed up to this event? And we, be, we can become trapped in that sort of driven, at least I know I can, I can be trapped in sort of that driven you know, what are we, where are we going next? What's the vision? What's the mission? And then I forget that in my own preaching, I'm encouraging others to serve others outside of the life of the church. And yet I don't always treat my own call of ministry in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's the strange double standard that we sometimes see. I think that's a really great point. And I think as church leaders, we get kind of drawn into this. Um, people are there kind of for us pragmatically, yeah. you know, and we're not, we say that we're there to serve them, but really we want them to be serving us as volunteers or as leaders or people who are going to take some of the burden of ministry off our shoulders. And so we fall into this pattern of uh, the more people I have, the more value I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and I, I don't think any pastors go into ministry uh, you know, thinking numbers are the thing, but I think what happens is the, 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 the system that we've, that we've kind of designed, um, I'm assuming Canadian culture is very similar in this, this church culture is similar in this way to, uh, us church culture, but we, we, we become driven that, that there are these markers that are, that are ind- indicative of our success. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we look to the church down the street that's growing and, well, I'm not growing. So what am I doing wrong? Or why aren't I as close to God as, as they are? And so we use that as a measure of our spiritual life rather than resting with who we are in Christ, uh, being who we are, we're designed to be and letting God be responsible for the results. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I, and I think again, like you can take that into sort of anybody's life. It's not just necessarily about church life, right? Because people might be driven by whatever it is. It mm-hmm. might not be about participation in the life of a congregation as a Christian or, or that they might be taking their worth from their job or from really anything that isn't God. Um, so I read some of your material. One of the, one of the things that you had in there is that, um, and I'll just read it. It's that you're saying the central lie that we tend to believe is that you need something in addition to, or in place of God for wholeness, Mm -hmm. something in addition Mm -hmm. to, or in place of God for wholeness. So can you say a little more about that and and what kind of impact us believing that has on us? Yeah, and and we were actually just touching on that. Yeah. And um and, and you're so right that we 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 as humans can do this with everything. Even the good things of God, we can make the ultimate things of of our identity. Um and I, I have lots of client stories to uh, to, that I could share with you about about people who have made things like uh, be, being a parent, or I had one woman that was consumed with being the Proverbs thirty one wife because that was the message she kept hearing, and she she wasn't valuable until until she could achieve that, and she was missing that the Proverbs thirty one wife is a fruit of being connected to God and living in that image, mm. and so the the central lie. Um, and this goes back to the garden to at, to Adam and Eve uh, starts when when the 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 serpent convinced Eve that uh, that something else that God was withholding something and something else was necessary for her to to her to for her to be like God and so after after Adam and Eve fell, that becomes the the system that we're that we're born in is we are we are told people model for us that 
wholeness needs something in addition to God. So whether it's I need a spouse to be whole, or whether it's I need a job, or I need a certain financial status, or I need to I need my children to behave, or uh, any one of innumerable other things, we begin to look to those things to give us a sense of completeness rather than looking to, to God who designed us and designed these things to be good for us uh, as, as our sense of uh, wholeness. Yeah. And I think like I've, I've talked about this, it's kind of like idolatry, right? It's um, that we're putting something in the place of God is kind of what idolatry is. And it's first, first commandment. Um, exactly. These things become, be, these things become idols for us yeah. because we are pursuing them. We are, we are, we are putting, uh, we're putting the, the, the source of our worth in, in, in these things. And, and in the book, I de- that's how I define worship. We, we tend to think worship is singing or other activities. Worship is where we put our worth. Yeah. And so singing songs reminds us of our worth that is, that is connected to God. And so when we worship idols, we are putting our sense of significance and our sense of purpose and the sense of who we are in the hands of something, something else, right. like a job, like good things too, like our kids and, and raising them. I mean, these are, these are good things uh, and no one would deny it, but, but they were not meant to bear the weight of our identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I don't know for whatever reason, this conversation has reminded me of something really ridiculous, but um, <laughs> there's this, uh, there's this movie called Fever Pitch. Some people might know uh, the American one with, uh, I think Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore in it, but there was a Brit it's based on a British movie, actually. Um, the American one's about baseball and someone who's a complete fanatic about baseball. And, uh, the British one is a little more depressing <laughs> okay. um, as is sometimes the case. And it's about soccer. And I think Colin Firth is the, is the main actor. And he is just obsessed with the Arsenal uh, football club. And it, it's basically his whole life is just ruled by how well that team is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's just obsessed by it. So he has a girlfriend and their relationship is just up and down depending on how the team is doing. Right. And it just, it's kind of an interesting picture if anybody's seen that, that movie, but it's an interesting picture of how we might pick things in our lives. And, and when we take them and put them as above everything else, then everything else starts to just get out of sync Um, our, our relationships don't work anymore. And there's only one thing or one person, one being that we can, that, that rightly can be above everything else. Right. So, and you've got to have that in order. Uh, so I don't know. That just kind of occurred to me. I don't, maybe I'm crazy, but no, you're not crazy. I I live in, I live in the South of the Southeast of the United States where college football is the king of, uh, of every sport. And that, and just what you're saying about how you relate to that movie, the way people relate to, to their sports teams, it becomes their sense of who they are. So when the sports team wins, they, you feel good about yourself. When the sports team doesn't win, you feel bad. And so this, this, this thing you're serving, this place that you're drawing identity, uh, now is taking from you. And so in the case of a sports team where you don't have the opportunity to get on the field and play, that's what leads to people acting angrily and, and and lashing out at other people because that's the only, that's the only recourse for that sense of shame and worthlessness that, that Mm -hmm. you're carrying with you. Whereas on the job, you know, you, you can cover your shame by working harder and trying to get a promotion and trying to earn more money. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and so we do that with everything, you know, in, in, in the U S politics define so many people and how they see the world and how they see themselves. And so that's why, uh, you know, when, when, when Democrats win, you have Republicans that are just angry and lashing out and the, and vice versa when, when, when Republicans win, because these things have, have become defining characteristics rather than, uh, rather than just elements of life. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and I think it works kind of at, at both ends of things. Like I used to think that something like um, the pursuit of, of money, like uh, of wealth, um, that that was only a problem for the wealthy, <laughs> you know, and it really isn't um, like it's uh, it can be, but I've been, I've met many wealthy people where that really isn't, that really isn't what they're struggling with. And they're also, 
incredibly generous with the wealth that they have. And then I've met people who are really struggling financially, but they're, but they allow their pursuit of figuring out how to get more to completely rule their entire life. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be a little trickier, but it can still be the same kind of problem that happened at both ends. So I think this is one of those universal problems and messages that people need to kind of grapple with this, this idea of, and I think you, you rightly kind of bring it back to what it does to someone's self-worth and, uh, and, and then, you know, the, the problems that that creates for them in, in not putting God in God's place, essentially. Right. Because going back to the garden story, we, we see that Adam and Eve were created in, uh, in the image of God. So I see that as God's light was shining and they were, they were in that image. Yeah. So we, they were designed, and just as all of us are, designed to get our, our worth, our sense of purpose, our sense of who we are. So our identity comes from the image of God. Yeah. And so when, when the, 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 um, the original sin that, that, that they, uh, that they stepped into was taking their eyes off God and putting it on something else. It wasn't the temptation. We're all, we're all tempted, tempted. Jesus was tempted. That's not, that's not the sin. The sin was saying, okay, I'm, I'm lost trust for God and I'm going to put trust in this other thing to, to make me like God. Yeah. There's something else that I, that I want or need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested. I mean, that's what this podcast is about, um, is about sort of the practices or habits mm-hmm. that then mm-hmm. support a healthy life in Christ. So uh, how do you, what, what practical things do you think need to be in place to support getting this right? Like um, to support having your identity found in, in Christ, in God? Yeah, uh, and that's that is a big component of my book. Is oh, I right walk on. people through um, healthy questions to ask because I I definitely want things to be practical. I don't want I, theory. Uh, theory is good, but it doesn't really do us much good uh, if 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 it doesn't apply to our life. Right. Or we're and I think most of us, myself included, I need I need to be shown. I need to be shown how this this applies. Otherwise, it's just gonna gonna go over my head. So I I ask lots of questions in the book. I I've got a, a study guide that I give out. It's just on it's on my website that asks. Uh, hundreds of questions about identity and about where you're finding yours. So, so I would say there, there's kind of th- three things that uh, you that I would say in response to this question, um, and and then I can get to some like practical uh, disciplines. Sure. The the first thing is we have to have awareness of what we are looking to for a sense of a sense of worth or a sense of identity. Um, and we have to be, we have to choose to be honest about that, live in truth, um, and, and not hide that from ourself. Um, because I think that's, that's where we hide things first is we hide it from ourselves. And then we, then we think we're hiding it from others and from God, but they can probably see, see through that. So knowing, knowing what you're looking to for identity. So it, for me, that, that required me looking to, I look to people's affirmation, their perception of me. Uh, as my defining characteristic. So whether it was my marriage or whether it was people in church or whether it was uh, even students when I was teaching math, if they thought good of me, then I was all right. And if they didn't, then I wondered what is wrong with me? How do I fix this? And that led to trying harder. Uh, So I would try harder to be better to get the results uh, and the feedback that I needed. So that's how how it lived out in me. So the first thing um, is you have to, you have to know what your struggle of identity is. The second thing is, I would say you have to you have to know how you're created, um, because if you're going to practice disciplines, uh, it's not a one size fit, fits all. And I think a lot of times we're taught, whether it's in church or on a website or through uh, through a program, that we can go through one set of exercises and that's going to work for everybody. So for, for again, for me, I I never took into account that I am a high extrovert. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to sit still. I'm a verbal processor. Um, and, and, and as an aside, there are, it is good to sit still. I'm going to talk about that as one of the disciplines. So I'm not saying, uh, totally, totally discount those things, but just as an example, anytime I was ever taught about prayer, it was always 
you've got to do this first thing in the morning. You've got to get somewhere quiet and dark. You've got to get on your knees and you've got to pray. You've got to go through the ACTS method or what, you know, whatever it is. And I got so frustrated with myself because I'm not a morning person and I would fall asleep and then I'd be like, you know, God hates me now because I'm, I can't even stay awake in this time that I'm trying to come into his presence. And, and so I, had, I totally discounted and I, I read a, a, a great book that kind of related spiritual practices to, uh, to how we're created and it gave me permission to, to, to walk and go on hikes and use that as a mode to, yeah. to pray. And that totally transformed my, my spiritual life. I still have times when I'm quiet and I'm still, because that is a great discipline, mm-hmm. but uh, my go-to mode for, for prayer is I like to just get out and I walk around the neighborhood or I find a trail and I just go and I, I have a scripture verse written on a card and I, and I connect. That works for me. That's not gonna, that doesn't work for my wife. My wife is a high introvert. We're, we're quite the pair at parties. She, she's a high introvert. And so doing that would, would be would be death to her, yeah. you know? So it's funny. Like I'm right, I'm right in the middle, like introvert, extrovert kind of in mm-hmm. the middle. And, and I love both of those things. Like I'm, I've uh, discovered prayer walking recently as well. And I just love that. Um, it's a challenge in the winter. And I've said that before on this podcast. I think. <laughs> um, Cause I also like being outside, like prayer walking indoor. I mm-hmm. doesn't do as much for me. Um, but um, I just love that. But I also really love silence and stillness. And I am a morning person, so I will pray first thing in the morning, and that does work for me. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're speaking my language with prayer walking. I, I just love it. So yeah, and I pray in the morning because I I believe that my first attention needs to be on God. But my prayer looks more like this. It's more like a one line reminder of. Uh, God, I know you have chosen me. I know that you notice me, and I'm going to live this day in that truth. And so then that gets me going, uh, gets me out of bed, gets me to the shower uh, so that I can... So now my focus is on Jesus. My mindset is, is more centered and I can, I can do the, 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 the serious time of entering in later. I honestly, I thought that you were about to say, my morning prayer is God help me find the coffee pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for me, it would be God help me find the diet, the diet Pepsi, which I'm trying to oh, quit because wow. <laughs> my, I, I, I don't like hot beverages. I don't know if that's a product yeah. of living in Florida, but oh, uh, hot yeah. beverages just don't go with me. But, uh, my daughter has been on me lately, dad, you got to stop the soda. So I've really been trying to, yeah. to, to cut that back. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> God help me find the water. <laughs> yes. right. Well, that actually is the best thing for you first thing in the morning is, uh, yes. is water. So I'm doing that too. But yeah. So once you, once you know yourself though, and so whatever tool you use, what, you know, um, I have a, a, a simple framework I use with clients that's really easy to use and doesn't require a test, uh, whether it's the Myers-Briggs or the Strengths Finders or the Enneagram or, uh, or I mean, there's dozens of these things out there that, that help you know some of the attributes of how you function, whether it's with people or, uh, or or what having that information can transform your spiritual life. And there's lots of free stuff out there that, that is good and simple and and will help you in that. But then once you, once you've done that, I really believe in finding a, a rhythm of life. Um, uh, some some people call it a rule of life. I don't like to use the rule with word rule with people because then it gets kind of scary. Like uh, like I've got to I've got to obey this, and and I, there's grace in this. Um, and the rhythm of life doesn't look the same for everybody. But there's a rhythm to to our day. There's a rhythm to our months. There's a rhythm rhythm to our years. And and living into that, so there's consistency, so that there there's a default. And it takes very much intentionality to to develop these habits. And and I think that's that's uh, that's kind of where what I do in discipleship coaching comes in is I try to help people develop that 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 habit uh, after we've talked about the lies that that we that that they believe about themselves and how they know themselves, but stepping into what's going to be your rhythm for practicing the the disciplines, you know. Um, these disciplines that are acts of love that we that we offer to, to God as a way to connect with Him and live in that image. Um, so, uh, and we could talk about some of those uh, in specific, but that would be the third part: is how are you gonna how are you gonna live the rhythm of life? 
Yeah, well, maybe the best way to talk about that is maybe just if you could tell us a bit about what that looks like for you, like, because um, I was I was like ask people as well what their personal spiritual practice looks like, mm-hmm. um, and then you might want to say as well how has that changed, particularly for you from from where you were at before when you're in leadership in a church and it just it 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 wasn't it, it really wasn't helpful <laughs> in your in spiritual walk is how it sounds um, right but how so how has that changed as well but like sort of what does it look like now but I, I think the, the biggest the biggest difference I'm going to start there is that the the disciplines that I offered to God before were things that I was doing to try to earn God's approval hmm. and so that mindset um, of understanding identity and and living in the truth that I am already approved by God in Christ that that changes the mindset of the disciplines. I'm not doing things to earn God's approval. I'm doing things so that I can uh, rest in his image uh, and, and, and live definitively the way I was created to, to live um, in, in who God designed me to be. Mm-hmm. So my, my, my day-to-day rhythm is a, f- a fairly simple thing. I like I said, I, I do, I do a brief prayer, uh, in the morning. And then when I, when I get to work, uh, I have the, I have the, uh, the freedom at my job. I take a half hour and I like to, I like to journal. So I find a scripture passage. I'm presently going through first John. I read just a, a brief snippet and, uh, a few times until I feel like a verse really sticks out to me. And then I journal about that and, and what I see in that and how it applies to me and my situation and what I need to do going forward. Um, one of my favorite spiritual practices, and I think this is really great uh, for, for everyone in whatever form they practice it is, is journaling. Uh, whether you like to write journaling, whether you uh, want to just grab your your voice memos on your phone and talk journaling, or whether you want to video it, you know, there's uh, there's a n- numerous ways to do it. But I think that that act of processing is is highly powerful for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, uh, I do I do my walk, and sometimes I have a scripture. It might be the same scriptures the morning. Um, and uh, I walk, and I just kind of, I kind of just repeat that uh, as as a prayer, and I'll pray through that scripture and and uh, hear what hear what God's saying. And then uh, most evenings, I I kind of I like to practice some some s- silent meditation where I just try to quiet the the lies of, and the busyness of my mind and uh, listen for God's still small voice and hear what what He has to say. And I usually do that at night. And, uh, you know, I usually try to have it quiet and uh, alone because, um, you know, as an extrovert, those are healthy things for me to do, to be, to be alone, to, to be quiet and, um, and hear, you know, the, the, the thoughts that I have to, when you do that, I, this is what I find when I do that, uh, my brain gets inundated with, with thoughts, whether it's to-do list or whether it's lies about myself. And I have to, I have to intentionally begin to ignore those. And that's such a healthy practice f- for me so that I can live in truth, the discipline of, uh, of, ign- of tuning out all the background noise. Yeah. Some people have a, like a word or a phrase that they come back to might not always be the same thing that they come mm-hmm. back to when they're, when they're trying to practice uh, stillness or silence, um, just as a help to, um, with that, with that issue. Right. And I, I know I do that in the mornings where I'll have, I have a, a one line prayer that I'll say, and as I'm saying it, um, in my mind, I'm saying it, um, other, I'm thinking about all kinds of other stuff. And then I mm-hmm. just have to stop and just say, okay, no, get back to my, right. my one phrase. Um, and, but I find that the phrase does help with with less noise. At least for me, it does. Anyway, yeah. So you're totally uh, you're totally right. When when my to do list pops into my mind, I usually just take an in, and then I, usually my word is grace because because mm. uh, yeah. I have to remember that I live in grace because my tendency is to try harder to to want to make things happen on my own. Um, I'm also a big fan of when I'm walking. Sometimes I just like to say uh, what what is called the Jesus prayer. 
and just said, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, which mm-hmm. reminds me, uh, just reminds me that I am, I am not all that. Um, and so, and these are ways for me to enter in and to then have uh, di- dialogue with God. But, you know, One I think... The, so I was just going to say that the one that I'm, I've been saying lately has been, uh, Holy Spirit, come and fill me with your joy. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and, but again, that's kind of one of the issues that I struggled with uh, quite a bit in the last uh, couple of years before I had a sabbatical. Um, but prior to that, and I sort of realized in my sabbatical that one of the things I was really having trouble with was just allowing all of the external circumstances to dictate how I was feeling and not not receiving joy from the source of joy, which I think is God and just allowing other things to decide for me, whether I was going to be, whether I was going to live in joy or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, there's still be lots of days where I'm not walking around happy (laughs) Um, and things happen where it's, Oh yeah, I know I am sad about that. Um, But I find with that, with that phrase, like it really does make a difference for me um, to acknowledge that, Joy comes from the Lord, and there might be a whole lot of other crazy stuff going on, but I can still have that sense that that uh, that God is giving me joy. And I'm trying to acknowledge as well that I think God actually wants wants to to give us joy or peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we, when we're on the other side of things, like if we're trying to please God by the activity we're doing, or would completely miss out that God is already wanting us, wanting us to just receive the joy that he has for us. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. When we, when we are, when we're working to create our own identity, that is going to always take from us. Yeah. So we're always yeah. going to feel spent and like, it's not enough. Yeah. So, so you're right. And, and I think in prayer, we sometimes treat God like that as I've got to, I got to keep talking. Yeah. Right. So I've got to, I've got to present God my list of uh, things that I need, the people that I'm praying for, and all. And, and I'm not saying that's not good stuff. But if if you're practicing prayer and you don't have time to be quiet and and receive and be still, then I would I would just say, okay, well, what what are you trying to build up in in your prayer life? Whose kingdom are you really are you really more concerned about? Right. Right. And it's a relationship, like in any relationship, you're you should probably be listening to the other person and not just talking the whole time. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> totally. Hopefully. Yeah. Like if I treated my marriage that way, I'd be in big trouble. Right. I don't know that I'd have enough <laughs> things to say yeah, if I treated my marriage true, like that. I'd have to start repeating things, uh, which yeah. I probably already have done after <laughs> 22 years. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so how do you manage to stay consistent these days in your, in your rhythm during your week or in your spiritual practice? Yeah, that's probably the best question. That's the problem, and, right? <laughs> yeah, consistency is. I was listening to uh, one of your previous podcasts, and I liked. Uh, I think it was your answer when you were talking with M- Matt Rattan about uh, you, you have a reset and you go back to you start reading the Psalms, yeah. and that that reminds you. Um, I would say, at, you know, at the beginning the intention has to be high to be able to, to, to start building up your rhythm. But once you, once you've built the habit, however long it takes for you to do that, uh, I miss it. Mm. I feel, I feel a significant void when I don't have, have my time and I don't take the time to turn my attention to God and, and so when I, when I'm feeling that longing, that's, I use that as a, an evaluation, uh, uh, many days, I don't do this every day. Part, part of my rhythm is at least once a week, I do a, I do an examine where I will yeah. look back on the time since the last one and, and think about, uh, when was I, when was I focused on God? When did I feel God's presence? When, 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 and what was I doing when, when I didn't? And, uh, just to turn it back just a second, I think that's, kind of the power of these, these short prayers is I can say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, whatever I'm doing. And that reminds me that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for God, whether it's teaching or whether it's coaching, or if I'm speaking or driving, which I really need a lot of help, uh, practicing the presence of God when I'm doing that. Uh, but it's a reminder that, that everything is spiritual. 
and what I'm doing, I need to do for the, for the glory of God. So how, how do I stay, how do I stay consistent? Uh, for, for me, it's, I miss it. I, I feel the sense of longing. I think there's good news for uh, the listener or people in congregations. I try to encourage people. If you're, if you're listening right now and you're hearing what we're saying, um, you know, you're, you're already on a good track to getting more consistent in your spiritual life Mm -hmm. because you're listening to a podcast about, you know, connecting to God. Um, So good for you. (laughs) So I so to add to that, Matt, I'm so glad you brought that up. If you're listening and you're thinking, Oh, I, I don't even know where to start to get there. Uh, what I would say is just try something, you know, if you have no rhythm, if you're kind of random, um, then just try one thing and, and make a point of doing that regularly. I, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we approach our spiritual like life, like, uh, like, uh, some people approach exercise is we realize one day on the couch that, uh, we are a couch potato. And so say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for three hours and I'm going to work this off. And so we set such an intimidating goal that we do it once or twice. We're exhausted. It's, it's inconvenient and we stop. And so I think if, if you, I don't know what your, what, what, what it would be, but if you say, okay, I'm going to practice five minutes of silence today. Mm -hmm. And from there you just, you build up. And then maybe after a couple of weeks of five minutes of silence, you say, you know, I'm going to, uh, I heard them talking about journaling. I'm going to start journaling and I'm going to journal for five, you know, it, all it takes is right. a few minutes and do it and, do something really small too. I like, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, sometimes hard to remember, <laughs> but, uh, um, there was a book called, uh, mini habits that isn't really about, it's not about spirituality, but I think the principle applies is, uh, they, the principle in that book is basically, you know, when you're trying to start a new habit, you, you set a, a ridiculously small and easy goal. Um, so their example was the, it was the one push up workout. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. That's yeah it was... Um, and so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I shared this with some of the young adults in our church too. And I know one of them, uh, what she started doing was placing her Bible open to where she was reading yet, right on a little table, right by her bedroom door. And, uh, and so that meant she had to walk past her Bible when she was leaving her room in the morning. And so she would, she, she then started just stopping and just looking down at the Bible and, you know, maybe she only has time to read that one verse as she's, as she's passing, but you got time to read one verse. And then other times she might've stopped a little longer, but it was sort of like, Oh, she needed the reminder there just ready for her because she wasn't going to lots of times we've got these weird barriers of like, well, I've got to go get my Bible and I've got to mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and we just let that get in the way. But so she just found a way to get rid of all the barriers. And it's like, well, I can't walk past the Bible and not read the verse when I'm supposed to read at least one. Right. And, and she was just starting to read her Bible that way. So I thought that was a great, I thought that was a great way to get started and try to overcome some of those things around consistency and some of those little barriers that we have in our mind really. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the origin of, you know, historical Christianity, the idea of having uh, some icons or trinkets or something like that. It wasn't to worship those things. For instance, when, as I was really loving the, the, the idea of the, of the Jesus prayer. And that was really working for me. I, I went online and I, from some Orthodox church, I bought a chotkey, which all it is, is a, it's a little, mine's a small bracelet with beads on it. You know, I could, probably could have made one myself, uh, going down to, uh, to Michael's, uh, which for those of you in Canada, that's, no, uh, I don't got, know if you have those, Michaels, you got yeah. Michael's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, on the, one of the podcasts you were talking about, uh, Michael Horton's, is that what it, is that oh, what it Tim is? Hortons. Tim Horton's. Oh, I'm so right. sorry. Please, everybody, don't turn it off. I live in Florida. <laughs> but from your talking about it, I really want to go to one. But that's, yeah. another, that's another story. But I have it in the car. I leave it on the shift knob of my car. So oh, cool. when I'm on the way in and I, I, I can use that time to connect with God. And it's yeah. a real easy thing to do. And, the, you know, the, 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 the trick of it is the beads help you keep track how many times you said it. So whether you do that or not, the whole thing is that's just a reminder to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's so good. So start small and pick something you can do, pick something you were designed to do uh, as well. You know, like for me going on a walk every evening, that 
that works for me. It, I mean, it, it also helps because I, I need to get off the couch more, but that's the purpose is I want to connect with God more. I think um, too, it's okay to, it's okay to love it. <laughs> like it's, you know, I don't think it needs to be a drudgery. Like if you, uh, if you find something that you enjoy and it is connecting you with God, like it's okay to enjoy that. And I, I'm saying that to myself because sometimes I feel like, oh, I need, like, I'm, I, I want to get something done. I want to get work done. Mm-hmm, and I start mm-hmm. to feel guilty because I'm reading a book that is helpful to me. It's like, I'm wasting my time here. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. Right. I'm not wasting my time, actually. Um, I just think I am because I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a terrible thing. I'd have to remind myself, oh yeah, it's okay. Enjoy the, enjoy the book you're reading. Enjoy the Bible. It's fine. What I, and I'll, what I would say to people listening, I say this to, to people I work with, if, the, if your first thought when I say try something is, I don't know when I'll have the time, well then, okay, there is, uh, uh, there is an on-road to determine what's going on with your identity. If you're so consumed with busyness that you don't have five or 10 minutes, um, and I'm not saying this from a judgmental attitude at all, because I've been there, you know, uh, when I was trying to make my life all about affirmation, there, there wasn't time because I was, I was running around doing one thing in the church, one thing in the church, I was going to people's houses because I wanted them to, to be happy with me. Um, but that gives you, that gives you an insight on what's ruling your identity. Hmm. And so then you can begin to, you can begin to process that. So if, uh, if you're, if, if, yeah, anyway, I don't want to get, that's really get good parsing no, out too much. No, I, kinda, I I like that though. I think that's helpful for people to hear that for sure. I do want to ask you just before, cause we really, we really need to wrap up actually. Oh, okay. It's been a great conversation. Um, I, I wanted to ask you as well, like your one of your main things you're doing now is a discipleship coach. Like you're no longer in the church as a, as a pastor in the, the you know, 2000 person church or whatever, but you're working as a discipleship coach. So can you, can you just tell us what that is? Cause not, maybe not everybody uh, knows what, what that is. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, anyone out there has heard of coaching. Um, coaching is this huge growth area in, uh, in the world. And it's a lot of it is related to leadership coaching and life coaching and, uh, uh, like fitness and nutrition coaching. And I was just looking around and I, uh, from my work in the church and, and, and afterward I worked in, I worked in a couple of other churches consulting and, and, and working with the pastors just saw, I just, there's so many people that, that are, do have these hurdles and these barriers to, to, growing in discipleship. And usually it's simple stuff. And usually it's just something that needs an outside perspective. So what I do is I just ask people, uh, I ask people questions. And so I have a, I have a 10 session series that I I walk people through talking about lies and talking about uh, the truth of who they are, and then uh, helping them develop a, a rhythm of life and, and, uh, and going through challenges to that and what, what rises up. So it's just, what I am good at, Matt, is I am a good, uh, as I told you before, I'm a good number two. I am good at walking alongside of people. I am a, I am a priestly kind of person. Um, um, and, and that's the strength of who, who I was. And then the shadow of that is I use that for affirmation, but I'm a priestly kind of person. And so this discipleship coaching is a way for, for me to walk alongside people and, and create impact uh, with them. So I, I love doing that. And I, uh, I, I've done that with people all over the country and it's, it's fantastic. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, where can people find you online or find out more about what you do or your, and your yeah. book and all that kind of stuff? Th- thanks for the opportunity to do that. The The best place is I created a page for people listening, uh, treeoflies.com forward slash normal. And at, at, at that webpage, uh, uh, I have a free worksheet for, for your listeners. That's just, it's 12 questions to help you begin thinking and processing this idea of identity. And then at that page, uh, and you can go to just plain old tree of lies.com. There's, it tells you more about the book, but at the top, there's all sorts of free resources. I've got a 31 day email devotional about, uh, that'll email you a scripture and 
a devotional about identity every day. I've got some videos about creating an identity statement in Christ and, and, and unlocking your lies. Um, if you, if you want to grab a copy of the, the discussion guide that goes along with, there, there's a link that says discussion and you can download the discussion guide. And uh, so Tree of Lies is the name of the book. It's, it's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all the formats uh, that you'd possibly want if anyone is at all interested in reading and knowing more about, about this. Right on. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's been great. I enjoyed it totally. It was great to meet you. Thank you. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.